Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Mark chapter 6. We're going to begin there. It's a privilege to be here, and it's an honor for you all to come out this on a Saturday night. And uh, I'm honored, uh, truly honored that you would come and be with us. I'm honored to meet, uh, I, I've known, Sean's known me more than I have known him. And so, uh, so we're kind of getting to know one another. Of course, I know J- Jeremy and his wife, known them for years, and uh, the different ones. And so in little, Miss Heidi, get to know her a little bit. And uh, I think her and I are about to get Sean born again. And so, uh, so maybe we can help. Maybe we can help him just a little tiny bit, you know, and, and uh, you know, if he gets born again, maybe just turn out to be a, you know, somewhat of a good pastor. I don't know. And uh, be some, at least be a little bit more hope for him than, than otherwise. But uh, Mark chapter 6, very familiar passage. I found out this a long time ago, that there are five gifts that our Heavenly Father has given to us. And your interactions with these gifts determine the quality of your Christian life. These five gifts that our Heavenly Father has given to us, number one is the gift of righteousness. The moment that you become a born-again child of God, the moment that you become saved, the moment you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ. And it is the gift of righteousness. It is a free gift. And to the degree that you honor that gift, to the degree that you manage that gift, determines the quality of your Christian life. Number two, the second gift that I found that he has given to us is the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit. It is a gift. And how we interact with him and how we allow him to, to, um, uh, to flow in and, our, in and through our lives, once again, determines the quality that your life Uh, will enjoy as a believer. Number three is the Word of God. The Word of God is the most precious gift above everything else. The Spirit of God will actually take you to the Word every time. He'll guide you into that Word. And how you interact and how you value and how you honor that Word is going to, once again, uh, determine a lot of 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 what God is able to do in you Um, and for you. Number four, the fourth gift that our Heavenly Father has given to us is ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, these are gifts that have been set into the church, and they have been gifts that have been set for a purpose, for a reason. How we manage ourselves and how we honor them, how we receive from them, uh, how we yield to them, here once again determines uh, a huge proportion of, 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 the, of, of the quality of our life, once again, as a believer. And I believe, though I'm stretching it probably with this one, I'm going to go ahead and add it anyway. I believe the fifth, the fifth gift that, that our Heavenly Father has given to us is community. I believe a family, the family of God, is a huge gift. And it is to play an important role in our life as the day approaches because it is to encourage us on a regular basis to stay in love and to stay faithful to the Lord as the time approaches. And so these five gifts, 
must be managed. And so I, I want to kind of go back to the main gift because the ministry gifts are going to push you back to the Word. The Holy Spirit's going to push you back to the Word of God. Fellow believers are going to push you back to the Word of God. I want to focus in on the Word tonight, and I want to talk about uh, the, 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 the importance of honoring the Word of God properly. And uh, so I want to I want to talk about that. I I I found this to be true, that um, just you know things that I thought of. First of all, is this: um, the Word of God gives us first of all a peek into another world. When you open up your Bible, when you open up the Word of God in your daily devotions, it gives you a peek into another world. And what is possible if you'll embrace its, its wisdom? That's what the Word of God will do. Number two, the second thing that I thought about when it comes to the Word of God, just general statements about it, is this. Every time we open the Bible, we are accessing wisdom to live the best life possible. Let me say that again. Anytime you open the Bible... It shows you how life is to be lived the best. There is no other book, there is no other source of wisdom that can give you a better life than the Word of God. Not even your own opinions. Not even your own experiences. Not, all, not, 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 not any other source. This Bible contains the best wisdom possible to give to marriages, to give to parents, to give to the sick, to give those who are confused and, and frustrated and, and disappointed in life. It is, it is the source where you open it up and it contains the best, highest wisdom possible for you and I to ever come into touch with. Last thing that I thought about was this, that the Word of God reveals how we are best designed to live. There is no other, there are no, there, there, there are no other better designs than what is outlined within the Word of God. But I want you to go here, if you will, to Mark chapter 6, and we know as well as anyone that Jesus and the Word are one. And we can see things from the Word of God of how people treated Jesus. You can get some, get some uh, wisdom about that if you treat the Word of God the same way they treated Jesus, then you're going to get the same results of their mistreatment of Jesus, and you're going to get the same mis, you know, lack of results when you treat the Word of God likewise. And, and, I, and I want to go back here to Mark chapter 6, and I want to begin, if you will, in Mark 6 and verse 1. Very familiar passage. All of us know these things. I want you to notice what it says here in Mark chapter 6. And I want to begin reading verse, with verse 1. And he went out from thence, and he came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence did this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Wait, 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 wait. Isn't this the carpenter's son, the mother of James, the, the, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Jesus saith unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. Verse 5, And he could there do no mighty work. Why could 
Why couldn't he do what he was capable of doing? Because of their failure to honor him properly. Honoring these five gifts properly determine whether or not they're able to influence and impact our life. Jesus had healing available to these individuals. But because of their failure to honor him, they incapacitated that healing from touching their lives. Every one of these gifts that I have talked about, the gift of righteousness, has a grace attached to it that can open up your life to things never thought of before. The Holy Spirit has a grace attached to him that if you honor him properly, he'll expand his impact and his influence within your life beyond your imagination. Same thing with the Word of God. Same thing with with ministry gifts. We honor them properly, and then you begin to see that that they, 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 they can bring in wisdom that we might not have thought about uh, views of, of, of God that we might not have considered in the past, but because of a failure to honor them properly, then it causes everything to get gummed up, and all of a sudden you lose their influence and in, in what, what God intended for them to be able to do for you and, and to you because of our failure to, to, to not honor them properly. And he could there do no mighty work. I put this down a long time ago about these verses. Failure, failure to honor Jesus sacrificed God's involvement into their lives. God wanted to be involved in their lives. He wanted to bring healing. He wanted to bring uh, health. He wanted to bring uh, uh, strength into their lives. But it sacrificed it because they just refused to honor him. The next thing that I thought about is this, is this, is, is that it limits God's ability to impact our life with his wisdom and his power. All of a sudden, he has wisdom, he has power that he wanted to impact their life with, and yet the lack of honor that they gave to him restricted that. No, this says very clearly, Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor among his own kin and his own house. Can I put it to you this way? They treated him as if he was not anointed. Therefore, he was not anointed for them. I'm going to say that again. They treated him as if he was not anointed. This is, this, is, this is the carpenter's son. We know his mother because we grew up with his, with his brothers. We know, we know who this guy is. So what they did was they treated him as if he was not anointed. Therefore, he was not anointed for them. It actually restricted the flow of what God could do through him for them because of their failure to honor. Guys, listen to me very carefully. If you're not real careful, you, you can, you can uh, treat the righteousness of God in Christ as if it was not anointed. If it was not graced to provide for you a new position with God and treat it with disrespect. You, 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 can, you can treat the Holy Spirit as if he is not anointed for you. He might be anointed for somebody else, but he's not anointed for you. You can treat the, the word of God the same way, that, is, that, that it might work for Pastor Sean, it might work for Pastor Jeremy, but, and Pastor, and Pastor uh, uh, you know, but the thing about it is, is all of a sudden, you know, if you treat it as if it's not anointed, if you treat it as if it's, if, as if it's worthless, 
insignificant, um, then it becomes insignificant to you. And yet it could bring about huge result in the, in the lives of other people. Now, I want you to go with me, if you will, to, with, with all this in mind. I want you to go with me, if you will, to Mark, Mark chapter 4. Because I want to talk a little bit about this issue of honoring the Word of God, but yet the principles apply to righteousness, the Holy Spirit, ministry gifts, and even community. And I want to begin reading, if you will, in Mark chapter 4. Y'all doing okay so far? All right, we'll get after this thing and get going. Here we go. He says these words, Mark chapter 4, and I want to begin reading with verse 14. The sower soweth the word. These are they, very familiar passage, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they received it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. But afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering and choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, bring, so, bring forth some fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. Anyone who reads this passage has to come and look at verse 20 and ask themselves the question, what determines the difference between a 30-fold return, a 60-fold return, and a 100-fold return? Anybody that's got any common sense at all, anybody who's ever looked at this thing, is going to have to ask themselves that question. What is the answer to that question? It's found in verses, in verses 21 through 24 because he continues on teaching. And what he's doing is, is he's revealing to us, in, actually in verse 24, what, what, what determines the difference between a 30-fold return, a 60-fold return, and a 100-fold return. And I just heard these words. And there are people that sit in churches every Sunday. And some, some receive a 30-fold from the message. Some receive a 60-fold from the message. Some receive a hundredfold from the message. You know as well as I do that not everybody that sits in a pew comes out with the same quality of wisdom that, that maybe the person sitting next to him comes out with. And so what determines the difference? Notice what he says here in verse, he continues on in verse 21, and he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put underneath a bushel or underneath a bed, and not to be put under a, a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be made manifest, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. And if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24. And he said unto them, You pay attention to what you hear. Look at what it says here. I want, you to, I want you to notice that phrase, take heed, pay attention to what you hear. Why is that so important? Verse 15. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, and when they have heard. Look at verse 16. And these are likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, 
Verse, verse, um, verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Look at verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word. Then look at verse 24, you pay attention to what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Listen to the amplified version of verse 24, because it contains the answer to what determines the difference between a 30, 60, 100-fold return. It's found in verse 24. Amplified version says this. You pay attention to what you hear. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear. Determines the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. Listen to me. The first, the first response to God's word, or to be honest with you about it, his righteousness, his Holy Spirit, the ministry gifts, even our fellow Christians in the body of Christ, should always be think time. Say that with me. Think time think time. The amount of think time that you give to the truth that you hear, the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear determines the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. So what that means is, is if you hear something and you give it this amount of think time, it's going to produce that amount of fruit. If you give it this amount of think time, it's going to produce that amount of fruit. If you give it this amount of think time, it's going to produce that amount of fruit. Because how, how many of you know Kenneth Copeland? You've ever heard of him? Yep, yep. How many of you ever heard of Keith Moore? Do those guys think about the word? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 so, and, so, and so here again, the, the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear. And so, so what that means is, is that if we're going to honor righteousness that we have been given, the gift of righteousness, if you're going to honor the Holy Spirit, then, then when he speaks to you or reveals something to you, then, then think time is to be your initial response. You give it think time. You don't just let it, you know, how many of us have went into church services and, 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 and in, the, in the church service, the Spirit of God revealed something that you needed to correct? And all of a sudden, man, you knew the Spirit of God nailed you to the wall about that issue. And Pastor Sean's just preaching away, you know, and he doesn't even know really what's happened at all. But Spirit of God has nailed you about an area. And, and it was very, I mean, it was so real to you that you kind of lost track as to what he was talking about. And, uh, and all it sounded like was, no, I'm, I just can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to take advantage of that. That was, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was, that was bad. I'm sorry. That was, <laughs> my students who know me, that's fleshing out. That's carnality right there. And so, anyway. And so, but the thing about it is, is, is I mean, it nailed you. And, 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 and you saw it. Yeah, God, God's wanting me to deal with this particular area. You know, but then what happens is, is you get back into the sermon, and, and you get back to what's going on. 
And then all of a sudden, the service kind of winds down, you know, and things happen, you know, and, and now the service is dismissed, and now you're looking to get out the door in time so you can beat everybody else out of the parking lot into your favorite restaurant before the Baptists get there. <laughs> and if you're not real careful, by the time you get to the, to the restaurant, you can't even remember what the Spirit of God tagged you about in that service. Yeah, what did, I remember something, you know, I remember something, because how many of you have gotten something right when you're about to go to sleep, and you don't write it down? Oh, man, it came, it came so clear to you, you thought, man, oh, man, oh, man, I'll never forget that in a million years, and then you get up the next morning, uh, what was that, you know? And so the thing about it is simply this, he's simply saying to you, simply this, he said, he said, when you hear the word of God, the first response to that word is think time. We'll talk about it in a moment. But can I put it to you like this? I'll never forget I was teaching along this line one day. And um, I went back to my office. And the Spirit of God spoke up on the inside of me and said these words. If these students do not think about what they have been taught after they, after they leave this school, they will revert right back to what they believed before they came to this school. Say that again. If these students do not think about what they have been taught after they leave this school, two years, and they never give it any think time at all, they will eventually revert right back to what they believed before they came to this school. And we've seen that to be the truth. But that's not only about Bible school students, but guys, that also can apply to every one of us who are members of a church. That if you don't think about ever about what's been taught in the past, then you're going to eventually revert right back to what you believed about that particular situation before you ever had that implanted within your life by that Bible teacher. So the thing about it is, this issue of think time, I want you to go with me, if you will, to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Everybody say think time. Think time is the first response that we, have, that we must give the Word of God. Guys, this whole thing about, about reaping the benefits of the Word of God should be a whole lot easier than what we've made it to be. But the thing about it is, we just haven't taken a look, you know, a look at the Word of God to find out exactly what does the Word say about some of these things. How are we to respond when we hear the Word of God? Some people teach the moment you hear it, you're supposed to act upon it. Well, I don't agree with that. I think the first thing you are to do is give it some think time. Give it some think time. Joshua chapter 1, very familiar passage. Look at what it says here. The book, verse chapter, chapter 1, Joshua 1, in verse 8, it says these words. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thyself prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Look at what it says here. And the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate, underline that phrase, thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, 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 it's very clear here that when you and I, when you and I hear the word of God or read the word of God, that, that we are to spend some time meditating upon it, thinking about it. And I want you to notice here that the reason why you are to think about that the purpose behind this exercise of thinking is so that you will ensure that you apply what you have heard. Look at what it says here. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now watch this now. 
underline that, that thou mayest observe to do. Listen, guys, you know, I, I, I've been a Bible teacher now for 45 years, and I've heard a lot of people teach on Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And a lot of guys kind of head toward the direction, well, the purpose of meditation is to get something in you. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Really? The purpose of meditation, after you have heard the Word of God, the purpose of think time is not to get it in you, but to make sure that it comes out of you through conduct, through action, through obedience. Look at what he says here. He says, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. In other words, you keep it in your thought life long enough until you do something about it. That's what this whole thing's all about. Can I put it to you like this? Meditation is the step between the hearing and the doing. Can I, can I just say this, guys? You, you know this as well as I do. I mean, we're all adults in this room. Thought always precedes action. Always. You are never once in any time, any shape, any form, are you ever going to find yourself in Walmart. Do you all have Walmart up here? You guys are so far. I'm sorry you're so far out in the boondocks. I don't know. You, you know, guys, we, you can, they've developed cards in, in the lower in the lower 50s or 40s or they've developed, that you can actually put in, your, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hole in a machine and press some numbers and money comes out. Did, did you all? Um, I'm making. When I, when I came off the airplane uh, in Billings, uh, I've never flown into Billings. I've been, I've been here close. I went to the ranch one time and so I don't know if I came through Billings or not. I don't have any idea. But, I, but I'm in the airport and so I'm calling my wife and I said, I looked around, I told my wife, I'm in, I'm in man's country here. I mean, I mean real men here. Because they all, they all got cowboy hats on, they got the boots on. The only thing I didn't see was spurs, you know. And so, but, but, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm in a man's man's country right up here. You know, this, is, this ain't for, for goody-goody two-shoe guys, that's for sure. There's a rough and tumbling bunch out, out here at all, you know, for sure. But the thing about it is, and I don't know why I said all that, but the thing about it is, 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 is the purpose behind thinking, you, you know, you're never, once again, coming back to the Walmart deal, you're never going to find yourself in Walmart and just all of a sudden come, what in the world am I doing here? You're never going to do that. Because any time that you go to any store, you always think about it first. You're never going to find yourself up on a ladder painting your house. What in the world am I doing up here? You know, you never, because every action you take takes think time. It takes think time. And if you hear something in the Word of God and you never think about it, what's the chances of you doing that and obeying that scripture and applying that word to your life? There's not much chance to it at all, is there? Because thought always precedes action. You're never going to save money unless you think about saving money. You're never going to, I'm never going to, I'm, 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 I'm never going to go on a diet until I, until I, until I shut up, okay? And so the thing about it is, is, is thought always precedes action. All you skinny people, leave me alone, all right? I'm just going through some things right now in my 68th year of life. But it's very clear here, the thought precedes action. Jesus said, you pay attention to what you hear. The measure of thought 
the study that you give to it. What determines the difference between doing 60, 30, 100 is think time. The amount of think time that you do, you keep it, you keep it rolling around in you until you do something about it. Go with me if you go to Joshua, James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. My, my, my. I'm... Time goes by fast in this part of the country. James, I'm not going to hold you. I'm not, I'm not going to keep you a real, 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 real long time, but, but just give me some time here just for a second here. James chapter 1. I'm talking about think time. We all know this verse, very clear verse to us. And look at what it says here. Verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So he's simply saying, now James is a pastor and he says, how many of you are, are hearers of the word and you're not doing it? And a bunch of them raised their hands. So he said, I want to help you. I want to help you how to become a, a doer of the word of God. But I want to show you, first of all, what you're like when you hear the word of God and you don't do it. I want to show you what that's like. James chapter 1 and verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, so if you're a, a hearer of the word and not a doer, you, you're like a man. You're like a man who beholds his natural face in a glass. You're like a man who beholds your natural face in a mirror. Now, I don't know about you, but it's very apparent that James is likening the Word of God unto a mirror. And the only thing in this particular case, there's other things that the Word of God is likened to that expands this, but in this particular issue, the thing that the mirror reveals are things on your face that needs to change. He says, he says, for he beholdeth himself, well, verse 23, if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his, the word beholding here is not a quick glance. How many of you have, have, have gone past a, a, a wall, wall of mirrors and you, you give yourself a quick glance, you know, nobody's looking, you know, you're just checking yourself out, you know. Well, you know when you do that, you're not going to get very much detail as to what needs to change. I mean, you could, you know, at my age, you could have an eyelash going like the, you know, your eyebrow going like this, you know, and you'd never know it. But this is talking about a look of inspection. He's saying that, you, that, that, that when you take, when you take a, a, a mirror and you look at it with a look of inspection, and I don't know about you, but every time I've ever looked in a mirror to inspect my face, there are always things within my face or upon my, that I need to change, that I'll, that I'll discover because the mirror reveals things that need to change. And you know what, guys? There's never been a single solitary thing that a mirror has ever told me that needs to change that I didn't know how to change it when I saw what needed to be changed. These people who say to me, you know, I don't know how to do that word. I don't know how to put, listen, guys, if you've seen something in the word of God, like um, you need to clean up your attitude towards your boss, the moment you get that from the word of God, you know exactly what he's talking about. And you don't have to go looking. But he says, he says, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself so he, so he looks at himself, but he goes his way, he puts the mirror down, he goes off, 
And the Bible says he straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. In other words, you saw something on your face that needed to change, but then you put the mirror away, you walked away from the mirror, and then you've got your attention on other things, and all of a sudden you forget what you saw that needed to be changed. So what he says was, this, this is the issue, is the issue of forgetfulness. You're getting away from the mirror that showed you what needed to change, and you're forgetting what you saw. And so what he says is this. He says, to you I want to speak to in verse 25, but whoso, I'm going to read the verse and then we'll, we'll come back to it. But whoso looketh, underline the word looketh, into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man is blessed in his deeds. He's simply saying the number one reason why people fail to do the word of God after they hear it is forgetfulness. They walk away from the mirror, they walk away from what they saw, and they forget what they saw. And so what he says was, I want to help you. And so the way that I want to help you is this. He says, I want you to do this, but whoso looketh. The word looketh here means to bend over and take a better look. It means to bend over and take a better look. In other words, all of a sudden, when, when Pastor Sean's preaching away, teaching away, whatever he does, all of a sudden, God shows you something that needs to change. And the moment that you see it, it'd be, it, you know, I'm not going to tell you to do this, but in reality, we probably should, is you stand up and you forget, you forget all else that he's talking about. And you bend over and you take a better look at what you just saw in the Word of God that needs to change in your life. You bend over and you take a look at it. And then it says this, this phrase, it says, but whoso looketh, the word looketh once again means to bend over, to lean over it, to take a better look at it, the perfect law of liberty, and underline it, continueth. The word continueth means to remain near it or to remain by it. And so what he's telling you is this, when you see something in the word and the spirit of God has kind of pricked your heart about that particular issue, you are to stop everything else and you are to you are, to, you are to bend over, and you are to take a better look at it. This is one time where, you, where it's okay to go ahead and space out in a sermon because God's dealing with you about an area that needs to be cleaned up, and you don't want to let it get away from you. Because listen, guys, if the Spirit of God was kind enough to show you an area that needs to change, can I just say this to you all? Anytime the Spirit of God shows you an area that needs to change, what he's simply saying to you is this. If you'll make this little bit of an adjustment, your life will be better. If you'll make this little bit of an adjustment, your life will be better. I found this to be true. God will never show you a huge thing that you have to use dynamite and four bulldozers to move out of your life. God always, God always shows you a little adjustment. Most of the time, it's the, how many of you have ever heard this story? It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. We've all, heard that. We've all heard that story. Well, the thing about it is when the Spirit of God touches an area in your life, he's simply saying, if you'll make a little bit of an adjustment, your life will be better. Now, if he's kind enough to show us that and reveal that to us, then wouldn't it be wise for us to do something to keep it before us until we do something about it? And that's what he's simply saying to us is this. 
He said, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being, a, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. What are you doing? You've let it capture your attention. And, and you continue. You remain right by it. You keep it in your thought life until you do something about it. Guys, and we all practice this. Question. How many of you right now have notes on your refrigerator to remind you to do something that you, that you do not want to forget to do? Can I see your hand? Okay, don't like that. Let's see what else. <laughs> how, 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 many of you, how many of you have notes in your bathroom mirror to remind you? How many of you got an, a note, a note, a note thing on your phone that buzzes you? And, oh, okay. Okay. So, so you have cell phones up here then. So... That's bad. That, that was bad. That was bad. But that was, but that was fun to do. That was really fun. Or you got a wife. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> How long y'all been married? 38 years. Well, then you know what this is all about, don't you, sir? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they'll keep it before us until we do something about it. Until Jesus comes, you know. Isn't that, right? <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, if they will make sure. That's what, the, that's what the Spirit of God is trying to show to us here in James 1. Is to keep it before you. Don't let it get away from you. If you have to, make yourself a little note. You say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into this. I'm going to keep this before me. I'm going to look into this. I'm going to investigate it fuller. What's he telling you to do? Give us some think time. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4, if you will. we got to hurry. Mark chapter 4. Because forgotten instructions are dishonored instructions. When God showed you something and, you, and you've forgotten it, all of a sudden you dishonor those things. Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. How much time I got? Okay. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Watching my time. Y'all doing okay? All right. Let's get after this thing. We'll go through this thing very quickly, and we'll just move along here. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Let's go. I'm talking about, do we value the Word of God enough to give it proper think time? Here we go. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. The sower soweth the Word. Verse 15. First ground, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, now don't answer this. this is a rhetorical question, so don't answer this question. The question is this. What gives the devil the right, don't answer this question, please. What gives the, the devil the right to steal the word out of your heart? I had one student, one student, I did tell him, don't, don't respond. They, man, he raised it. Well, well, the devil can't steal the word out of your heart. I'm sorry, but Jesus said he could. So I'm sorry, but you lose, you know. But the thing about it is, is, is what gives the devil the right to steal the word out of your heart? Go with me, if you will, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew's rendition, because Mark does not tell us what gives the devil the right to steal the word out of our hearts. Neither does Luke's rendition of the parable of the sower. But Matthew's rendition in Matthew 13, and I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over some things just for the sake of time, tells us what gives the devil the, word, the right to steal the word out of our hearts. 
chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 18. Y'all got it? Good, good, good. Aren't you glad for your Bibles? Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower, verse 18 of Matthew 13. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, underline it, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. What gives the devil the right to steal the word out of your heart? When you hear something and you don't understand it. Now, what do we mean by that? Understanding, uh, Jeremiah 3, verse 15, every pastor in this room knows this verse, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. We are to feed our people with two types of food, knowledge and understanding. Knowledge is facts, it's information, details. Understanding is practical application of the facts given. Understanding is how do you apply. And so what, what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 4, that when you hear the word of God and you don't know how to apply what you heard, when you don't, when you don't understand it, I don't, I don't know how to apply that, I don't know what to do with that, I don't know how to put, it to, put shoes on it, I don't know. The Bible says it'll bear no fruit at all. Because the devil will come right in there and steal the, that word right out of your heart. And so, so when Jesus brings this issue up in the parable of the sower, my, my conclusion is this. If we're going to honor God's word, evidently there's going to be some things that are going to be taught that we don't understand. That we don't know how to apply. You know, that, that, that thing that Paul prayed, that their eyes of our understanding be enlightened. So, so, so what should I do? Guys, do we honor the word of God enough to where I stick with what I don't understand until I understand it? Guys, how many of you, how many of you have, ever read, have ever read this verse? Daniel, that, that angel picked him up off of his, off, off of his knees and said, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand. How many of you know, guys, there's some things you have to set your heart to understand. And it takes some time. My son's flying now. He's got his, he's got his uh, private license. He's, he's, he's studied and passed his instrument rating test. Now he's just got to do the instrument check ride, and he'll be instrument rated. Uh, he's actually coming to Colorado in March the 5th and doing uh, mountain flying school so he can learn how to fly in the mountains. And, um, and, I, and I sit in that, in that seat next to him. Man, there's just so many things I don't understand about. And if I was ever, because I could see how, how it could be fun to fly. You better be rich, but you better, you know, <laughs> but you better have some money. In fact, my 13-year-old my granddaughter is actually beginning her lessons. But I'm thinking to myself, if, I'm, if I were to do this, there's some things I'm going to have to set my heart to understand. Especially the radio, just talking back and forth to those guys in, in those towers just freaked me out. I don't understand any of that. But if, I'm, but if I'm going to fly, which I'm not going to, but if I'm going to fly, I would have to set my heart how many of you know, guys, you can, some of us had to set our hearts to learn how to use a cell phone. Yeah. 
or, or set our hearts to copy and paste. <laughs> Never mind. That was bad. That was bad. That was bad. No, the thing about it is, do we value the Word of God? If something's taught and I don't understand it, am I willing to stick with it until I do? I was given, I was given um, the book of Romans to teach recently, and it's busted my butt, man. I tell you what, I've never studied something as hard. And in that study, I had to come up with the issue of sanctification. And, and I tell you what, but I stuck with it until I brought clarity enough in my heart to understand how to apply it. Are you all out there? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, listen, there's some things in the Bible that, you, that you're going to hear taught. I don't understand that. You just put it on the shelf, but you stay close enough with it that when understanding, when little tidbits come about it, you put it on the shelf next to it, and some more tidbits come about that subject, and some more tidbits come about and sooner or later, ah, I understand that now. Do you understand, guys? There are some subjects in the Bible that we're not tall enough to reach yet. And I use this example. I use it all the time in my, with my students. Anybody who sat in my class knows I use this example. Mathematics. What's the first thing you learn in mathematics? No, that's not true. What's the first thing you learn in mathematics? Number recognition. Then number order. Yeah? Then how to add. Then what? Subtract. Then what? You're, you're cautious now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to slap us. You're gonna, if you do the wrong answer, he's going to get us, you know. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. Decimals, percentages, fractions. Come on, guys. Algebra, geometry, trigonometry. I'm not that smart, so I don't know. How many of you understand? How many of you understand? There are some, there are some levels of arithmetic I'm not tall enough to reach yet. There's, there's some... There's some levels that I'm not tall enough. I never did algebra. I never could figure out why A plus Y. You spell with letters. I never understood that. But the thing about it is, is, is all of a sudden, you know, if I'm going to understand, then I got to stick with it. It just simply means I'm, I'm just not tall enough. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just maybe I'm just not tall enough to reach it yet. You all out there? Mark 4, let's go back. Mark chapter 4. So do we value the Word of God enough to keep what we don't understand in our thought life until we, until we, until we can apply it to our lives on a regular basis? Mark chapter 4, let's go. We'll, we'll finish this up. Verse 16 and 17. And these are they likewise which are stoned on stony ground, who when they have heard the Word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves, and so endure, but, but for a time. Afterward, underline it, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. What's this talking about? All of a sudden, you hear something in the word of God, and you actually understand how to apply it, and you begin to apply it. But when you do, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. How many of you have ever experienced that? How many of you could testify that your life kind of was even better before you got born again until... Because when you started applying the Word of God, everything just kind of came, up, came, up, came unraveled. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And so, and, so, and, so, and so what he's simply saying here is this, is that when 
when you hear the word of God and you begin to apply the word of God, listen to me now very carefully, affliction and persecution will arise. And so, and so my conclusion is this. Are you willing to honor the word of God enough that you, that you remain, keep it in your thought life in the midst of your persecutions and afflictions, in the midst of your challenges? Do you honor the word of God? Because what happens is this, is the person that doesn't produce any fruit is the person that applies the word of God, challenges arise, and the person gets so distracted by the challenges, they forget about what they understood about the word of God, become a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, and the challenges just... I'll never forget, years ago, I was teaching in healing school, and uh, I was, uh, had a chalkboard, always had a chalkboard, normally just always teach with a chalkboard, and I had drawn a, a mountain, and I was talking about Mark eleven twenty three, speaking to your mountain, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast, and I had drawn a mountain on this, on this chalkboard, and I'm just teaching away, and I just looked back at it just for a second, and the Lord said this to me, there are people in this room that are so captivated with their mountain, they forgot what I told them to do about their mountain. I'm going to say that again. There are people in this room that are so captivated with their mountain that they forgot what I told them to do about their mountain. Your problems and your persecutions and your, and your difficulties, your challenges of life can become so in your face that, that you forget. Come on, guys. What the word says for you to do in the midst of that problem. Are you all out there? You're listening to me. And so, do you understand this? And I'm not going to teach on this, but the core of problems, the core of problems is distraction. The only thing problems can do is distract you. That's the only thing it can do. Because you know as well as I do, you can face the same problems as somebody else, and they falter and fail and are destroyed, and you can continue on. There are people that have faced bankruptcy one time, and they never got back up again. But there's other people that have faced bankruptcies four, five, six, seven, eight, and now they're a millionaire. They kept getting back up. They didn't allow them to distract them. The core of problems is distraction. To get you thinking about the problem more than you do the word that you've been sown into your life. Do you value the word of God to stay to stay, keep it in your thought life until you until you understand it? Do you value the word of God uh, enough to keep it in your thought life in the midst of your problems, in the midst of the marriage problems? Can you keep the word of God in your thought life to where it's a it's a source of strength? And are y'all doing okay? Let's go. Last one. Almost done. Verses eighteen and nineteen. And these are they which are sown among among thorns. Such as hear the word of God, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word of God, and it becometh unfruitful. Listen, guys. The second ground is about problems and persecution arising. This third ground is talking about the good life, being rich, having full provision. So my question is this. Do you value the word of God enough that even when you have full provision, your needs are already met, 
You're living in tall cotton, if you will. You understand what, what I mean by that? Do you value the Word of God to keep it in your thought life? You know, the Bible says Demas, Paul told, Paul told us about Demas. Demas has forsaken me having loved the world. There is a, there is a, there is a danger to prosperity. And it's a distraction issue. It can become, you can become so distracted by the good life, by having riches. God never told you you couldn't have, be prosperous. God never told you you couldn't do that. But when you allow your prosperity to distract you from the word that's been sown into your heart and to over, overshadow it, then you're having difficulty. Can I have an amen? amen? And so the thing about it is Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a very interesting verse. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead and read this. This is a super one, so I give it to you. I'm doing my best to close down here. Listen to what it says here. Chapter Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and the Lord shall love, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I commanded you this day shall be in your heart. Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 6. These words which I command thee shall be in your heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Talk of them when thou sittest uh, in the house, when thou walkest by the way, liest down, risest up. And thou shalt bind them upon a sign upon thine hand. And then they shall be as frontless between thy eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be. When the Lord thy God shall have brought thee up out of the land which he swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, to give you houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, wells digged, which you didn't dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then you'd better beware. Verse 12, look at it. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord thy God. Everybody say forget. Forgetfulness means you've got your mind on other things. You've got your mind on what your, what your money can buy you, where your personality can take you, and um, so the issue is this, is that when you hear the word of God, you are to keep it in your thought life no matter what you are going through. When all hell's breaking loose, when you don't understand, when you're prosperous, you keep it in your thought life. I'm in, I'm in Tucson, Arizona ministering, and I'm sitting on the front row when the offering was being taken up. And uh, the lady turned to Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And she didn't really go any further than that. And so I went ahead and was reading with her, you know. And uh, my eyes fell to verses 9 and 10, giving the first fruits so that your barns would be full. And I read that. And the moment I read that verse, 
the Lord said to me, there is a stream of income that you've never honored me with. I knew exactly what he was talking about. We'd always tithed. I worked for Kenneth Hagin Ministries for 40 some odd years. We've always tithed from that paycheck. But there was another stream of income from Doug Jones Ministries that I just kind of, you know, justified it as this ministry and, you know, I'm doing the work of the Lord and blah, 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 blah. And, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. I pulled out my attache, that case right there, and I usually carry, I don't have them in there right now, but I usually carry three, three little three by three sticky notes, and I wrote that down. There's a stream of income that you've not, I knew exactly what he's talking about. I put that little piece of paper in my pocket because I knew that I'm fixing to get up, give a message that was not about this at all, and, and then everything else is going to happen, you know, and, and I'm going to fly back home, and if I'm not careful, I could forget what the Lord had told me to do. The moment I got in the car, when my wife picked me up, I said, honey, the Lord said something to me. I pulled that little piece of paper up. I said, there's a stream of income that I have not honored him with, and I know exactly what that is. We're going to start tithing off of Doug Jones Ministries' paycheck. We're going to tithe off of that every time. Full 10%. The moment I said that, she said, oh, my. She said, you know, I do baking on Facebook. And I sell baked goods. Back in that day, you could. You can't do it anymore because of COVID. But anyway, but she was selling pretty good. And she said, you know, I've never tithed off of any of those sales. We're going to start tithing. We started tithing. We started tithing off of those things and obeyed what the Lord pricked our hearts about. And I can take you back and look at our finances. In fact, my wife and I were talking about it the other day, and we haven't really changed anything hardly at all. And we're doing really well. Simply because I refuse to let something get away from me that he pricked my heart about. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.